smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Beautifully done. Sensational. Hello and welcome along to Le Beau Jeu, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. As Marseille fans lay siege on the club's training ground, Lille seize control in the title race, Dubois is the hero for Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain fall to their first defeat under Maurizio Pochettino away to Lorient. It has been... Uh, a very eventful weekend in France and uh, delighted this morning to be alongside uh, Robbie Thompson to discuss all of this. How are you, Robbie? Matthew, I'm very well. Um, yeah, what a weekend. Wow. Plenty going on all drama, over the place. Drama everywhere. Got to keep your eyes on it. Absolutely. Armel Tanguy, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, I'm all right, thank you. Tried desperately to keep an eye on things. So I've got a mild eye infection as a result. Oh, really? I was mm. wondering if it was just riding? tiredness. Or... No, no, no. Um, Ligue 1. I had, I had one uh, a few weeks ago as well. Yeah, Maybe see? from Ligue 1. Because yeah. Robbie's eyes were, were welling up a bit as well during the Lorient mm. PSG game. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. Should we, should we jump into it? Because, shall we start? Uh, yeah, let's, let's start talking uh, football and talking yeah, Ligue 1. I'll just get my gloves on. Lorient Paris Saint-Germain, Robbie wasn't commentating it, he was crying. No, he wasn't crying. I'll stop, I'll stop having a pop at Robbie, but uh, let's, uh, let's see what happened at the Stade du Moustoir uh, in Lorient. Armel Tanguy was the commentator. Into Loriente, now Gerbic. Can he work his way into the penalty area? It's fallen for Abergel, and Lorient take the lead. A wonderful finish from Laurent Abergel, and they deserve that, the home team. The last minute of the first half, Neymar straight down the middle, gets Paris Saint-Germain back on level terms. Again, he makes Machadria look very silly. Neymar at the double and Paris Saint-Germain have turned this game around thanks to two penalty kicks. He brings Johan Wisser into it. Still going, Wisser gets it back from Moffi. Johan Wisser equalises for Lorient. A wonderfully worked goal. And now Terra Moffi through on goal here. Terra Moffi to win it. He's done just that. Unbelievable. In the 91st minute, Terra Moffi scores for the fifth consecutive game for Lorient. A bit of history for the Nigerian. And what an upset here at the Stade du Moustoir. So, Armel, what a dramatic afternoon in uh, Lorient. It did look as though PSG had turned things around, got back on track with those two penalties from Neymar. But all credit to Lorient, who came back so strongly in the end and got the victory that, you know, from the sounds of your commentary, they, they deserved. They, they really did deserve it, yeah. Um, I mean, Paris Saint-Germain scored two penalties and frankly, Lorient would have been absolutely kicking themselves if they hadn't at least got a point from that game because I don't think I've often seen Paris so blunt in attack. Um, Angel Di Maria, does he still play for Paris, Robbie? Oh, he's been quite good in recent weeks. Oh, he's been weeks. quite good. Okay, well, he yeah. wasn't this weekend anyway. 
Because um, they oh, well, they played with uh, Les Quatre Fantastiques, Mbappe, Neymar, Riccardi, yeah, and, uh, and Di Maria. And Di Maria. And uh, Mbappe was quiet, which was I was quite surprised about because, you know, obviously he got his two goals against Montpellier in the previous game and you thought that was sort of the end of his quiet patch and he'd burst back onto the scene. But he was quiet. Um, Neymar obviously got his uh, two penalty kicks and he was doing his usual skills in the first half, riling up the... Lorient midfield, but it just it just wasn't working for for PSG. Lorient, great credit to them, as I'm sure Robbie will follow up by saying that it wasn't PSG that really lost as so much that Lorient did play very well. PSG didn't play well, but Lorient set up perfectly, quite incredibly as well, because they'd made seven changes from the team that they'd fielded on Wednesday in their fantastic late three two win over Dijon. So. I myself, when I was preparing for the game, was not expecting them to put up this sort of challenge. And when they opened the scoring, it, it then sort of led to, to what happened afterwards. And they, they very much deserved the three points. Yeah, Armel, they were, they were bottom of the league this time last week, weren't they? And they got that late win against Dijon, another relegation rival, uh, to win 3-2. And then Paris Saint-Germain. Um, Robbie, you, you saw the game. It, it was interesting as well. Armel mentioned all those changes Lorient made um, Terran Moffi, the Nigerian striker who had scored uh, in each of his last four games, started on the bench. Um, Johan Wissler as well, who's mm-hmm. a, a pacey, uh, skillful attacker. And they both came on. They both scored. Christophe Pellessier, you know, will look back at that and think he got it right. Absolutely. I think there are plenty of things to say about the game. Um, Paris Saint-Germain were also without uh, players and coaching staff, again, due to COVID, as well as Kalor Navas, who was injured, Marquinhos was injured, Herrera, um, Abdou Diallo and Marco Verratti, who have started the last four games as well, both missing with COVID. Uh, on that side of things, to say Paris were blunt, yes, in the first half, absolutely. I think the the penalty that Neymar earned just before half time was brilliant bit of football from Neymar because he, he was behind the play. He shouldn't have got there first. He managed to get there first and, uh, and was penal- penalized, well, fouled for the penalty. Um, but in the second half, Paris Saint-Germain still had more chances. Yeah, there's Icardi sees a header brilliantly saved by Dreyer. Uh, Mbappe fires just over the crossbar from eight yards out with just needed to hit the target. Uh, Levin Kulzava fired just wide as well. And Lorient didn't have chances, but they, and I think, to, to your little jibe about you they know, did have Lorient. chances if you think in about the, the last half, 10 minutes not... that free kick that went just next to the post then there was that, that lob Through ball that came down yeah. just in front of Gravion I don't know how he missed oh that in was the a very difficult one that's minute. true no that's true it was a bit ragged then in the last in the last few minutes no I think that was a difficult one for Gravion that was an impossible one to try and get your head on but it was he was only five yards out okay fair enough I think it could have gone either way. For me, a draw would have been a normal result in this sort of match. Um, I wasn't expecting Paris Saint-Germain to make such a mistake in defence in the last, in the 92nd minute to, to just leave nobody at home, nobody at all. I think Paris Saint-Germain were entitled to go looking for the third goal. I think a, a way yeah. to Lorient, uh, you're, you know, the, the champions, you're looking for a win away to second from bottom. I think that's normal that they push players forward but I still think it's naive defending. If it had been the other way around, I think people would be saying, Lorient, what were you doing? You had a 2-2 draw. You should have just been thankful for that and tried to hold on to it. So I think Paris were entitled to go for it and they got caught out. And 
I mean, Lorient, so, yeah. fair play, but I do think Paris helped, gave Lorient a little helping hand. Also, Armel Robbie talked about the um, the players missing for, for PSG. And does it suggest, because to me it suggests this, that when, you know, Marquinhos is so important. And when he's and not Verratti, there... Verratti as well. Well, I'm just trying to make mm. a point about Marquinhos. <laughs> from, but yeah, Verratti, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, the midfield... It, it's been a problem we've talked about for a while that there's a lack of quality in, in, in midfield, a lack of real, you know, somebody who can take a game by the scruff of its neck that Verratti, you know, Verratti can do. But I think if you look at the defence, and again, I've only seen highlights of the game, you know, one of the Lorient goals, it was a tackle from Kimpembe that, mm. yeah, you know, Daniel he kind of gave it, well. gave it back to, to the player. And Kerrer has never really convinced me. Sorry, yeah. Ian Holyman says we have to pronounce it Kerrer because that's the German yeah, pronunciation. Okay. Um, they're just not as solid, are they, without Marquinhos? No, of course not. He's one of the best defenders in world football. So I'm, that, that, that makes sense that when you were to lose one, let alone two, losing Thiago Silva in the summer, because I still think he's one of the mm. best defenders in world football, you're obviously going to have a few problems that, the following year. But, I mean, Kimpembe's tackle you, you mentioned, it was very nearly a similar tackle to the one he made at Lille, which, uh, you know, went around the world afterwards. It was brilliant. He was that close to making a wonderful challenge. It just didn't rebound the right way. Yeah, Kira, I'm not convinced, but I mean, at the risk of, uh, the risk of uh, making you angry, Robbie, I just don't think Leandro Paredes is good enough to play for PSG. And he adds bite to the midfield, something that few other players have shown for PSG in recent years, that bit of nastiness, which teams do need but he's just not good enough on the ball. Well, I think he's. I, yeah, okay. That does make doesn't make me angry. But apparently, Robbie. <laughs> apparently, Robbie Maurizio Pochettino doesn't think Idrissa Gay is uh, good enough, perhaps on the ball or or good enough full stop. Because reports in the press today suggest that Paris Saint Germain are ready to let him go and uh, were ready to let him go to Newcastle. But mm-hmm. Idrissa Gay decided he didn't want to go to Newcastle. It's That's... all about balance, isn't it? When you're putting a team on the on the pitch, you don't necessarily need Gay with Paredes. Perhaps they... But know, I, think that's the, finding... I think that's the area of the team that Pochettino will be looking at and thinking we need to rebuild here. Well... Improve, at yeah. least. Okay. That's my opinion. Okay, <laughs> let's um, let's move on. Well done to, to Lorient in any case. It's... Uh, Keeping the title race extremely interesting. PSG suffering a, a fifth defeat of the season. We're going to bring in our Deja Who because uh, we're getting great success uh, with uh, with this on the emails and social media. So clearly our faithful listeners are enjoying this and uh, we're getting some new ones as well. So, so do send in the email. If you think you know who we are talking about, uh, last week's clue, by the way, was... I was born 16,000 kilometres from my first club, Nîmes, but really made my name at Rennes. I played on both sides of the Rhone derby, both sides of the Channel and both sides of the Atlantic. I ended my career by playing back on the other side of the world with Nicola Anelka. It is the uh, evergreen Frederic Piquion, who, uh, who played for France, who played for some big clubs in uh, Ligue 1 as well. So congratulations, Habiba. Liam Wraith, who says it was outrageously difficult, but Liam still got it. Omar Baziz, who says, brilliant one from Ian Holyman, the producer. So well done. Well done, Ian. You're, you're getting some good ones. Miko Honkanyemi, an OM fan based in Berlin, also got it right. Ed Scott, Thomas DeRoy, Adam Cyronic, Ryan Yowell, Simon Klopfenstein. 
or Stein, sorry, Simon. It's still too many people getting it right, isn't it? I think Ian has to go even, well, yeah, even week, harder. Yeah, this week's one is tough. So if you think you know the answer, do send uh, in your answers by email, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag LeBouge on Twitter. Here we go. It's time for Deja Who. I'm Corsican by birth, but I made my name on the other side of the Mediterranean where I won a League 1 winner's medal in the last decade. After a spell in black and white, I wore blue and white and green. I still wear green now, but not for the same club and not even in France, though I did wear it against a French club this season. Poof. I think I think it's a tough one. I think... I think we'll get some right answers. Another good one. Thank you, producer Ian. If you think you know the answer, do get in touch with us here at Le Bourge. Um We are contactable by email, league1podcast at gmail.com. And if you have questions, do let us know. We've got a few that we'll read out uh, later on in the show. We've also got a competition. Um, Memphis Depay's shirt is up for grabs. We'll be uh, giving you another chance to participate in that a little bit later in the pod as well. For now, though, we're going to look at our second feature match. It was uh, the Friday night game between Leon and Bordeaux. Robbie uh, was in action. He was commentating uh, from the Group Armour Stadium. Here is what happened. Depay again, the cross towards Marcelo. Oh, Koscielny, the mistake. And Carl Tocco Kambi is on hand to sweep the ball home. Adley outside with Udin. The cross for Kalu. And Bordeaux are level, and they deserve it in the start of this second half. The cross, back post, Dubois there, straight back in. Oh, it's a goal! Leo Dubois! Well, was it a cross or a shot? It matters little. It crashed in off the post. Benoit Costil didn't know too much about it. So, Robbie, drama at the end in the commentary. You, you questioned whether Leo Dubois meant it. For those who haven't seen the goal, do check it out on uh, LFP's YouTube page. He's, he's hit a stunning shot from an extremely acute angle on the right, and it has just sort of swerved into the top corner, in off the post, in off the far post. An incredible shot, Rob. It was fantastic. It was an incredible finish to the game as well, because Bordeaux had probably had the upper hand in the second half, I think. They'd created more. Leon had looked a little bit sluggish. Um, and yeah, not the side that had swept aside Saint-Étienne 5-0 the previous week. I think it was a little bit tough on Bordeaux, but uh, did he do it on purpose? His post-match interview said it wasn't conclusive. He said, look, more or less. But I think it was one of those ones where you, you try and hit it as hard as you can across the face of goal. It's 92nd minute. You're playing it back in, and it, and it goes in, so you, so you take it. I don't think it was one of those completely mishit crosses. I think he tried to hit it like he did, um, hoping that it would get a touch, that it would bounce off a defender, go in. An own goal would have counted at that stage of the match anyway. And it went in and was a, was a fantastic goal. So maybe he didn't do it entirely 100% on purpose, but, uh, but Rob, it wasn't should, a mistake. Should, should Leon fans be a bit concerned? We saw them lose at home to a Met a couple of weeks ago, and... By all accounts, yeah, it wasn't a particularly good performance. You know, credit to Bordeaux. They're making it hard at the moment. I think they were on a, a run of three wins. Yep, three uh, wins in a row before this one. They, there were changes in midfield. The, the front three uh, doesn't change. And the back five, including the goalkeeper, doesn't change either. The changes have come in midfield. Um, 
in the last couple of weeks. There was no Paqueta, no Usemawa. Um, Paqueta was a bit of a surprise for me because I think he's been outstanding. Yeah, Rudy Garcia, he was asked before the game about it and he made a point of saying the guys who beat Saint-Étienne 5-0 deserve to, to stay in the team. And he, also and he says, said, I don't you know, have any starting, you know, I don't have anybody who is an automatic starter. A spoil in midfield. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful but I mean, players. Guimaraes and, and Kakare, yes, they are very good players. But they're for me, they they still need to do it longer term. They need, you know, they're not they're not the finished product, those two. I think they're incredibly talented. And Kakare has, clearly has a big future. But Guimaraes is an incredibly talented footballer. So everything's so easy for him. You need consistency, you need to be tough, you need to be strong. Um, luckily, they have Thiago Mendes there, who's just a professional foul machine and just just tries to win back the ball however, doesn't care, and then just give it to, to one of those two, or well, to Guimaraes in particular. No, look, I mean, we, we asked the question, Paris Saint-Germain have problems in midfield. Look, Lyon have lots of very good midfielders. They, they can't seem to find the, the right uh, combination at the moment. But I don't think they need to worry, Leon. Aren't they top of the league? They went Second. top. They yeah, went they top, top when the they uh, yeah. when they won. Robbie's lost when PSG are not not top of the league. He doesn't quite know what's going on. But we'll <laughs> we'll talk about Lille a little bit later. Leon did go top uh, with that victory, and uh, you know you could also say Armel that it's you know when you look back at seasons and you see you know last gasp winners like that, you think that was a big moment, wasn't it? And, and it could be another big moment. Yeah, there have been a few already with Leon. I keep going back to it, but their their turnaround uh, in Rennes a few weeks ago when they were 2-0 down with a quarter of an hour to play, that, that really made me feel like this is a team capable of uh, of earning points when you're not playing well. And that's, you know, what you hear is the, the fabric of, of champions. They, I mean, they've, they've and got... And they did bounce back from that loss as well. I mean, they yeah. lost at home mm. to Metz. And Metz are, are in good form, but still. But they... There, things could have started to unravel the way we've seen other clubs. A lot of them have unraveled this season, but they're still there. They bounced back. We touched upon it, but Bordeaux are not an easy team to break down. Um, Haven't been since the start of the season. I mean, Jean-Louis Gasset has just put like bricks and mortar in mm. front of Benoit Costil, basically. Maybe only PSG have kept more clean sheets than them in, in Ligue 1 no, this season. They started with, I think, five clean sheets yeah. out of six or in a row. If, I, if, I, if I was building a house or like an extension to, to, to my house, <laughs> no, I would want Jean-Louis Gasset in as a chef de yeah. chantier. I would want him with his cap. Just kind of ordering things around, and I just think it. Yeah. I'm not sure it's a coincidence that he looks mildly like a beaver, you know, just able to build a dam yeah. wherever it's been leaking yeah. beforehand. Because he did it at Saint Etienne, he did it at Montpellier, he's doing it at Bordeaux. He's a- surely beavers don't have the life expectancy of Jean-Louis Gasset. He's been around forever and it's still going. Oh, yeah, and if he could get <laughs> yeah get Koscielny in to prop up my conservatory, that would be. You just really? want Koscielny in your conservatory. <laughs> and they, they lost Otavio 10 days ago to an Achilles injury in training. And they've managed to, to deal with that as how well. Did, with, Rob, how did Yassin Adli... Because Yassin Adli is playing a bit, a bit more defensive. He yeah, played he well. played as a, as a second number six alongside Toma Bazic. Bazic is an excellent player. Well, um, I was, I was enjoying this year. I was going to say, Adli gets a lot of press because obviously, you know, when you're a French under 20, yeah. under 21 yeah. international, people Long are interested in you. But... Yeah. Tom Abasic is Bordeaux's most used player this season and he's kind of making less noise. But what a player. If you're looking yeah, for yeah, a absolutely. creative midfielder now that's not going to cost too much. Who can do the dirty work as and well. And scores goals. Yeah. But one moment for the goal by Samuel Kalu. I was just saying in the commentary, Ben Arfa, he's just so talented, you need to get him on the ball. And uh, his dribble, 
around Guimaraes, where Guimaraes literally just falls on his rear on his rear end, and Ben Arfa just goes straight past him. He's that incredible dribble that Ben Arfa has done for years and years, where he 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 dribbles before he comes into contact with the other player. It's a dribble. He's very good in close quarters as well, but sometimes in movement, he he knocks it around the player before they're ready to make a challenge, and he's already gone past him. And he did that to Guimaraes, and Guimaraes literally just fell over. It was it was brilliant. Did you know, Robbie Hatem Ben Arfa has become six hundred the first player <laughs> um, on Liga records to wait to have pulled off six hundred dribbles in Liga. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was at five hundred ninety nine before the. Before the game, that is a and, lot. Of, uh, a lot of he would have gone easily past six hundred. It is a lot of moments where his teammates are screaming at him to pass the ball, and <laughs> yeah. he goes goes on a dribble. If we if we look ahead a little bit to the summer, we think almost certainly that Memphis Depay will be leaving Leon, and we mentioned last week that's going to be the big um, the big position that they're going to have to fill. They've got a very good squad. Otherwise, they've got a lot of good young players. We got a, a message in uh, an email from Thomas DeRoy. Thomas uh, contacted us on League One uh, podcast at gmail.com and he said, I was reading this week about Karim Benzema's agent stating he wants to return to OL whilst he still has the legs to play. How likely do you think a return is in the short term? And given his current form, could it potentially trigger any other big name players to join Ligue 1 or would it be a purely nostalgic return? It's an interesting question from Thomas. I would just say um, the quote about Karim Benzema was from his former agent. Karim Jaziri. Karim Jaziri. Yeah. So he's how still much... involved with him though, I think. I think he's still close quite close to the to the Benzema mm. family, but he's not officially his agent. Uh, but Benzema has always kept a really close relationship with <laughs> Leon and with uh, Jean Michel Olas. Yeah. Um I can't see Real Madrid wanting to let him go anytime soon, given the uh the form he's he's in at the moment. What do we think though? Karim Benzema back to Leon. Oh, it's It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? It'd it's what fantastic. we like to see. It'd be yeah. almost as good as Jeremy Morel back to L'Oreal. It's it's just the romantic endings to careers <laughs> that, that that people love. And well, I mean, the only issue is that Benzema is still really world class and at the top of his game. Yeah, yeah. Real and Madrid will have to replace him first yeah. before he can. But he, Matt, you know all about Benzema and Leon and and that period as well of Leon when they were champions. Mm. You were covering them a lot. He. He he still has very close ties, doesn't he? To I think he's from Bron, one of the right. tough suburbs of Lyon, and and I think he's still got a lot of mates there. And uh, comes back, and his family are still in the area. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me that he comes back. What would surprise me is just he has such an aura now, and he's made such a image for himself of being a superstar. I mean, he has the flashiest cars. Yeah. He goes on yeah, the yeah, flashiest yeah. holidays. He he is flash. Flash yeah. Benzema. But Memphis is not far off. I mean, he doesn't carry True, the same stardom being a Real yeah, Madrid player. Yeah. But if you're, we're talking online presence sort of thing and what they do to put themselves in the spotlight, Memphis is pretty it's damn true. good well, at that Dave, too. Dave can't be here today to tell us about, you know, uh, give us a critique of Memphis's latest album. But Benzema hasn't done, doesn't done albums yet as far as I know. But he's mates with rappers as well. I mean, maybe it's a... You know, maybe it would be a great move for him. Certainly, Leon are a big enough club to have a former player come back and play for them. They're a they're a big club. They're they're not in Europe this season, but they remain regulars. On I the European also season. yeah. I also wonder if the standoff with the French national team and his relationship with the French federation um, and Didier Deschamps would 
would play a role in his decision. Would, maybe would, would he perhaps wants to make, come back and prove a point then. Well, as mate, well. yeah. Well, I think by winning Champions Leagues with, with Real Madrid, you're proving yeah, yeah. a point. But I, I just wonder if that would make him reluctant because at the moment he keeps a certain distance, doesn't he, from mm-hmm. from France? And and we know that a lot has gone on, a lot a lot has been said, and Didier Deschamps made it pretty clear he won't. Uh, he won't be offering a recall to 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 Benzema. So Adrian Rabiot came back. He did. Yeah. Mm. Adrian Rabiot came back, but Adrian Rabiot's situation wasn't quite on the same no. level as as Karim Benzema's. But you're right, uh, Deschamps. We always say, you know, he really does hold a grudge against players. Mm-hmm. But fair play to him for yeah. for opening the door again to apparently to he Adrian can also Deschamps can also hold a plank for an hour, and he does it every day. That's just a, a, I felt really? I should add really? that because it's really Six impressive. Six o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time. but that was, he, not, not any um, allusions to, to Olivier Giroud there. No, no none you, at I all. Thought, I thought you were making a Giroud joke. Just you said Deschamps can hold, I think you said a grudge. And I was thinking, there we go. He can and hold how, a plank What does that actually mean? You know when you lie down on your forearms, with, oh, uh, on yeah. your toes. For an sort hour. Of, End of end your of core strength thing, core thing. strength. Deshaun is Deshaun is hardcore. I reckon him and Claude Puel. Well, I imagine him and Claude that Puel. They like could do a... they could do a triathlon and it would just What's be. What's called in English? That Adventure Island type TV show where you like have I'm contestants, sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, mm. and put the two of them there. No, but don't you think Puel and Deshaun? They're some of the most competitive people yeah, ever, and Puel yeah, is still literally. apparently fitter than most of his players. Mm. I remember when he was coach of Lyon, they used to ride up Alpe d'Huez, which is one of the Tour de France uh, mountains, Category One climb and. Claude Puel would win it every year in pre-season. And just, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Giroud reference. When he was at Montpellier, they used to call him La Planche, which was like the, the plank, which sounds pretty awful in, in English. But it was more of a complimentary thing in that they could play off him. You know, they could play the ball up to him and it would come back. Mm-hmm. But um, Maybe yeah. they have soirée planche at the uh, Clairefontaine. <laughs> that's he, why well, Deschamps loves Giroud. No, this is I reckon debate, Deschamps could hold... Olivier Giroud is an underrated player. We all have to agree with that. No, yeah? he's, a, he's a super player and yeah. I, reckon, okay. I reckon Deschamps could hold him up above his head. Let's, let, let's, <laughs> For an hour. <laughs> let's do the competition. Um, you've got a chance, listeners, to get a piece of the pie. It was a great joke that, he, that Ian Holyman made, a nice play on words. But you, you can get a piece of... Of Depay because we've got a Memphis Depay shirt, a Leon shirt up for grabs. What you have to do, you have to pick your favourite Memphis Liga moment and commentate it. Your piece of commentary should be 30 seconds approximately. You need to send us an audio file via email, league1podcast at gmail.com, and you can win this, uh, this Memphis Depay shirt. Very, very special. We're going to be announcing the winner. On February the set no, the deadline is February seventh. That's next Sunday, and we'll announce February, the winner yeah. the uh, the following day, next Monday. I, I feel like we could just help people out on on their way, so that it comes a little easier. We could mention perhaps his goal from the halfway line against Toulouse, mm-hmm. his last minute winner against PSG a few oh, yeah, years the curler, ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I commentated that. I might enter the competition actually. I, yeah, I think good. you did it quite well on on the day, if I recall. So. <laughs> Well, listen, get your answers in, get your audio files in. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. We're going to move on to the uh, the third um, featured match, Lille versus Leon. I commentated this one. Um, I was quite excited before before kickoff because just as the Lille, it was interesting, as the Lille players were coming out, um, Paris Saint-Germain were in the process of losing. The final whistle went just a few moments before Lille-Dijon started. So uh, Lille knew they had a big chance they could go top of the league. Here is what happened at the Stade pierre Mora. What a mistake there from Ekwela Monga. And he's lost possession. What a chance this is. Oh, Yusinji! 
Incredible skill from Yusuf Yazidji. There was no space at all, but he's still managed to dribble around the last man. And Lille have punished Dijon for a terrible defensive error. Yusuf Yazidji with his sixth goal this season. And it's a big one because Lille was struggling to create openings against the stubborn Dijon side, but uh, Quelemonga just giving the home team a chance. Well, ultimately, not a lot happened. Um, Lille got the goal uh, 27 minutes after, as I said in the commentary, that defensive mistake from Equelimonga, which was a real shame for Dijon because they were playing pretty well. They were defending pretty well. Lille were not creating much. Um, it was it was sublime skill from Yusuf Yezici. Again, I don't know if you've seen the goal. Um, I mentioned in the commentary that it did remind me of some uh, Nuanko Kanu skills, the way he he was basically along the on the byline, left side of the goal, and the keeper came out and basically you thought he's got to cut it back. There were two Lille players in the middle. Um, he's got to cut it back to them. And Ratiopi, the goalkeeper, decided he, he was going to. So he, he did kind of sell himself a bit and flung himself to his left. But really quick feet from Yezici to just dribble along the byline. And then he was was able to put it in from a, from a tight angle. Uh, brilliant goal. We've seen some sublime skills from Yezici. Just in terms of the game as a whole, Lille were pretty disappointing really after that uh, they did just about keep Dijon at, at arm's length but Jose Font after the game said he wasn't happy with the performance even though it was their fourth straight win uh, 1-0 against Dijon they go top but I, I think at the same time it's good to have a veteran like that saying listen guys yes we're top we won but that's not good enough and other teams will punish Leo if uh, if they play like that but Robbie they're you know they're getting the job done and um, I think it's three clean sheets in four now Botman again superb with with Jose Font, Mike Menor looking solid, and they are they are solid, and they're getting the wins. Well, you can't win the league without a very solid defence, and they're they're proving that. And I think Christophe Galtier has has proven that down the years as well. I didn't see this game. It's one of the rare matches I didn't catch this weekend because I was obviously in shock after Paris Saint Germain's <laughs> loss to to Lorient. Didn't know where where I was or what was happening. My world was crumbling, um, so I didn't see it. But this discussion we're having sounds familiar to me because we've had it the last couple of weeks. Lil not playing well, Lil struggling a little bit, Lil getting the result. Is it, I mean, it's good for them. They're still getting the result. They're getting these these wins. They're staying atop the standings, obviously. Um, but is it going to last? They, Dijon are a bottom club as well in, in the division, let's not forget. Here's the, dif- the big difference for me this weekend. The three title chasers, two teams perhaps didn't perform to their best and did get three points and one team didn't perform to its best and didn't, and didn't mm. get any points. Yeah. Yes, but PSG have been winning pretty pretty regularly until until this weekend. But I, no, I think Lille are playing within themselves. I think, yes, they are going to have to raise their game at some point. They had Burak Yilmaz out for the third game running. Uh, Renato Sanchez, I think it's quite interesting. I read Christophe Galtier saying that he needs to stop putting pressure on himself and just chill out a bit. And Because I think he's missed two months, Renato Sanchez. Mm. He's desperate to get back. He was playing so well before. And Galtier's been careful with him and he started him on the bench again. Um, and It was yeah. the story when he arrived. If you remember when he first arrived at Lille and Galtier was trying to just say, look, just relax. You've got to adapt to French football. You've got to adapt to, to life here. The little niggling injuries as well after the arriving from not playing for a while. Um, he took his time. And, uh, and now as well. I think Galtier is a very clever coach. He understands players. He has a good relationship with his players. Knows how to, how to get the best and I, out of them. I'm sure he would have made it very clear in the dressing room that they have to be so focused and not 
allow the fact that PSG have lo- have just lost to um to to mm. interfere with that focus because sometimes you do see in title races a team loses and you sort of subconsciously celebrate and actually that you know you you take your eye off the ball and it was interesting at half time Benjamin Andre was uh, was interviewed pitch side for for French television and he he gave one answer about the first half and then the interviewer said um, oh, and you must know that PSG have lost. Um, is this something that, that might motivate you? And ban- before he finished the, the question, Benjamin Andre left, walked off. I could not love him anymore. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, it was a bit cheeky from the, from the journalist. I think it's important that they remain totally focused on the match. And by, by, by having that reaction, it, you know, it showed that they're aware of that. You know, they need to focus on of themselves. Course. But uh, players, especially players of that, that caliber of Benjamin Andre, who's a captain, who's who's a defensive midfielder, who gets through a mountain of work, he is 100% focused. There's no no doubt about that. But if you're walking out for a match, honestly, you wouldn't. People in the dressing room, maybe when you're arriving at the stadium, you have a look at your phone. You're walking out around the pitch to to check how the pitch is. You look at your phone. You send a message. You check the results. But the last 15 minutes, last 20 minutes of PSG's game, Lille wouldn't have had any idea. They would have seen Paris leading by 2-1 and thought, okay. Also, getting the result. no fans. You may have heard that coming yeah. out the tunnel in the past. I don't know. I, 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 I think it's interesting. I, I don't know how much, you know, we're not in the dressing room. I, and I don't know how much players look at their phones and stuff. And if they look at them even at yeah. halftime. Jose Font after the game said, yes, we knew that PSG had lost. Um, but we're focusing on, on, on ourselves. I was, when I was researching... Um, they would have heard at half time, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, when I was researching stuff uh, for the book that I wrote about about French football, there was the horrible incident where there were the terrorist attacks the night that France were playing Germany, and um, the players and the staff, Guy Stefan, told me that they they'd cut off all like internet connections and 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 social networks so that at half time the players wouldn't wouldn't know that there are there are attacks going on oh, at this at this time. Well, I imagine. Yeah, and everybody in the stadium, but. And the players, I mean, I spoke to Giroud who said, yeah, we didn't have... So that, that just made me think, well, would you normally be looking at your phone at halftime? Or I guess you might see you've got messages. Antoine Griezmann's sister was it was in the Bataclan that, were, that was being attacked. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I find it quite interesting. Um, mm. And maybe we'll never know unless we get the cameras in, the, in that dressing room at halftime. I think, Matt, that brings up another interesting point, which is security in general but for footballers especially after the 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 incidents we had this weekend um and what what impact that can have on the on the footballers and uh we'll chat about it when we when we get there or should we move on yeah no that brings us nicely onto our <laughs> onto our talking point which is Olympique de Marseille so just to to finish on on Lille four wins in a row so they are top of the league they're two points above Lyon Three points above Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Monaco got another really good win. They're in good nick. They're only three points behind PSG now after their 2-1 win at, at Nantes. Um, Raymond Dominic's become Armel Help Me here. He's become the first Nantes coach not to win in his first five, five. since. Yeah, exactly. Ever. Since ever. Ever, ever. Since ever. Yeah. Since ever. That's it unbelievable. Like my son speaking English <laughs> with his Frenchisms. It was since. Or myself. Ever. <laughs> Listen, Mets are up to sixth. That is an incredible uh, statistic. They won yeah. 4-2 against... They came me. from behind, Brest. Against Brest. Yeah, Brest stuttering a little bit. Lance as well, going great guns. They were 2-1 victors over Montpellier. They're, they're up to seventh place. Um, Rennes are still in fifth position, but they didn't play on Saturday. Now, 
we had some incredible scenes on on Saturday. Around about three hundred supporters down in Marseille uh, laying siege on the club's training complex, La, La Commanderie. They managed to get through the uh, the gates. Um, we don't have loads of details of of what happened, but windows were smashed. There were lots of flares. Uh, reports that a Marseille player, Alvaro Gonzalez, was hit by an object that was uh, that was thrown. Um, thrown the- somebody else, apparently. The president, Jacques-Henri Hérault, has, as you would expect, condemned this behaviour and has said that these people are not supporters. Um, By all accounts, they are essentially people from Marseille's various supporter groups. This is something that has been going on for several days, uh, several weeks even. Um, There were banners all over the town um, complaining about the management, the ownership, complaining about certain players, Payet and, uh, and Tova in particular, who have been um, accused of not getting on, if you like, and therefore not helping Marseille's current plight. I think it's one win in in nine for Marseille on the pitch, and you know the fans. <clears throat> excuse me, the fans are, are fed up not just with the with the performances. Are you getting we, a bit teary, Matt? No, I'm not getting teary. <laughs> that, no, no, I'm just lacking sleep. Um, not just with the performances, because you know the results. They finished second last year. They were going quite well under Vias mm. Boas results wise this year. But I think it's more in terms of the direction the club is going, um, the way that the that the management is handling things. Uh, the recruitment hasn't hasn't always been good. Following Zubi Zareta's exit, they waste well, no, it's harsh to say they wasted money. But Luis Enrique, the player they brought in to play centre forward, uh, Andre Villas Boas now says you know can't play centre forward. He's a wide player. Um, Robbie, what do we make of it all? First of all, what? To, so, so, so just so sorry, just to explain, things, Robbie. Yeah. So, it was decided that Marseille could not play their game against Rennes. I think essentially because of the the trauma and 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 yeah, you talked about security. The players obviously did not feel particularly safe. Um, and Rennes, uh, after discussions with the local authorities and with the French league, agreed that they would postpone the match. I thought, okay, I think there are so many things to talk about this weekend in terms of. Paris Saint-Germain, um, French football supporters, um, not Paris Saint-Germain supporters for once, which is uh, a, a point as well that, that could be made. because the I only think point it's relevant. you're getting this weekend. Huh? That's the only point you got this weekend. <laughs> the, um, for me, I was a bit surprised. And we have a little WhatsApp group uh, amongst us, and I said, but why is the game being abandoned? This has got nothing to do with the, the game or, or Ren or, or anything. And then I thought, afterwards that's that is a bad reflex from myself to to pose that question because i remember thinking when remember when borussia dortmund their bus was attacked before, on their way to a, a champions league semi final quarterfinal against monaco quarterfinal with monaco quarterfinal yeah. and they were you know one player was quite seriously injured in that in that explosion on the team bus and they had to play the next day and i remember thinking are you mad these, this football team has just been attacked by terrorists and we oblige them to play a, a match of football the next day. If we go to where we commentate Liga matches and there are uh, 400 people there very angry about the, the quality of our commentaries <laughs> and start smashing up our, our offices and our microphones and our, and our televisions, I'm not going to feel that great about commentating my next game. Maybe, you know, maybe not. For, for a little while as well. So I think I think we're at the point where we think everything is so important about football and football players have to... Football players are human. We say it 
when they don't play well, when Paris Saint-Germain have a bad game against Lorient, you can't use that as an excuse that, well, they're human, they had a bad day. Mm. Okay, because there are reasons for it. But in, in extreme situations like this, and I think it, it's also valid for what happened at the Stade de France on, on the 13th of November, 2017, 15, 2015, there are decisions that have to be made and it has to be in the best interests of everyone there. For that, obviously, each situation is different as well. But I can imagine that you shouldn't need to ask a football team that's been attacked mm. in the afternoon um, to go and play a football match. However, just very quickly, another very important point is to say that they are not supporters, I think is a very mm. ignorant thing to say, because they are supporters. They are your club supporters. You love them when you're winning, and you have to try and understand why this happened, whether it's good or bad, and no judgment, not justifying what happened at all. The day before, 300 Saint-Étienne fans broke into the Lettre, More and they surrounded all the Saint-Étienne, they in, enclosed the Saint-Étienne team who were training on the pitch in the middle of the football pitch Robbie. and told them and chanted and sang and tried to boost them for the game and they got the win. Yeah, Robbie, Saint-Étienne and Marseille are a special football clubs that have a really strong identity and, um, you know, people who live in, in, in those cities, in those regions are, you know, fiercely proud of, of their football club. Now, Jacques-Henri Ayrault, I don't want to, um, you know, bury him or... Uh, criticize too much but you know the fact is a lot of this has been brought out um, has been brought about by some comments and some actions that have not been well received including you know he said that something about the the, the Marseille people from Marseille we need to be careful we shouldn't have too many of them working for the football club because they're too sort of emotional you know when things are going well everything's great when it's not everybody's down uh, so, you know, for the people, people of Marseille didn't particularly appreciate that. Uh, this weekend, he's obviously, you know, condemned what happened at, uh, at the training ground. But last night, he also said to the uh, television channel Telefoot um, that there are two visions of Marseille that are clashing tonight. There is the vision of the Marseille that we know, that has done great things, that has won titles, that has had success, but also of the OM of chaos the om that's had 20 coaches in 20 years the om that is known for underhand dealings the om that uh, has had uh, chronic judiciaire so uh, legal problems let's say the om of uh, of dealings um you know he's almost attacking the institution there his own institution more i mean i think the scenes that we've seen over the last couple, it's not even to do with Marseille. We've seen it at Nantes. We've seen it at Bordeaux. In the past, we've seen it at Paris Saint-Germain. I don't know how it is in, in other countries, in how it is in England or, or in Germany. I know in Germany, the fans are very vocal. They yeah. don't like the fact when their rights are not um, upheld by the club. They're very strong. They're in all, all but one club in the Bundesliga. They have a majority holding. In, uh, in 17 of the 18 clubs. I think uh, it's just Red Bull Leipzig that isn't the case. In Italy, the fans are very vocal. They have a very strong role to play. And at the moment, playing behind closed doors, where almost all football clubs these days are owned by foreign investment groups, they, the fans feel like they're, they're disenfranchised, that these are no longer their clubs, that there's no link to their little brother or, or dad or mum or... You know, so they don't know anyone that works there anymore like they used to. They're all, you know, they're all bringing in people from all over the seas. These are big multinational businesses. And the local feeling of the local supporter is 
is is getting lost in all this. And these reactions that we're seeing, and it's not just in Marseille, and it's not just at Bordeaux or Nantes or Saint-Étienne, it's all over Europe, and I think we'll see it more and more, is that fans are not, or the most, the hardcore fans that feel it most passionately are not happy with where football is going. And Robbie, I, I think it's important to say at this point that we're not condoning um, the not. actions of the Marseille fans and the violence that, that, that we saw on Saturday. Uh, fans are hugely important but we to, should try and to football. It. Um, and we should try and understand it. Armel, what, what's, what's your feeling on this? A, a couple of things to, to say about this. Um, the first thing that struck me is, I mean, on a purely sort of day-to-day scale, you'd normally go and show your discontent at the stadium on match day with banners, with, you know, at Marseille, sometimes they do go a little over the top throw flares, tear gas comes out. That's the point. The tear gas comes out. On a match day, there is a police presence ready for fans to go a bit wild if if needed, if the club feels that that might be part of the the, the game day itself. At the training centre, they're not going to have police present to deal with 300 people. So if they decide to turn up, it's going to go a bit wrong if they decide to, to do things like that. The second thing I think we've got to keep in mind is that you know, we're, we're, we've been living in a, in, a, in a confined society for mm. about a, a year now. I'm not in any way condoning these actions, but fans have, passionate fans have, have lost the reason why they go through their week and why the reason why they get to the weekend. It's more than just Marseille not doing well. People are just going a bit... You've got to have a bit three, cuckoo at the moment. You know, you've got, not everyone can watch the games anymore either. Mm. I mean, there, yeah. are, there are all sorts of things in modern football I th- I that, are, the, that are difficult for, for the fans. And the frustrations of just trying to, trying to get, get by at the moment in places like Marseille where the football breathes through the, through the town is just get, getting to people's heads and that came out this weekend. Marseille travel to, to Lens on Wednesday, which is probably as far away from Marseille as they, as they could go, which is maybe a good thing. Uh, we got a, an email in from Habib Barr uh, about Marseille. He says, I'm a keen listener to the pod. I'm an OM fan in the Gambia, um, but I don't like the state my club is in. It seems that everyone is against each other. Why is it that OM aren't producing uh, more players like Tovan, the IU brothers uh, from the academy? So the IU brothers uh, did, did come through, through the academy and uh, yeah, well, before the pod, Robbie, you mentioned that Bubakar Kamara has, has, has come through. He's, he's a good young player and it is an area that Marseille have, you know, they are aware that the academy has not been producing uh, enough players. Um, and certainly they could do with uh, a bit of a, an injection of young talent. Yeah, and, and it is probably due to, uh, in some respect, to the volatile nature of the club as well. We all, we all know and, and coaches have said it and players have said it. When you're winning, when things are going great, there's no better place to be in the world than, than at the Stad Velodrome. The other way, it's not the case. Behind the scenes, you these, I mean, Frank McCourt took over. Before that, the club was trying to be sold for years and years and years by, by Margarita Dreyfus. I mean, she was, she was running the club that her late husband had, had, had run and, and taken over and built up. But she was looking for a, for a, for a buyer. Then it was sold to, to Frank McCourt. And these things behind the scenes have an effect as well. That You keep the first team going, but Marseille's women's team has struggled in the first division. It's, a, it's, it's not a solid foundation. The youth academy, these are the things that suffer in these situations. You can keep the first team going. Bring in Mario Balotelli, bring back Payet, bring back Tovan, Stev Mondonda. 
bring an identity to the first team, but it's also behind the scenes and, and deeply rooted in a big club where you need stability to do these things. You need the people that know the Marseille region, that know where to find the best young kids and know how to bring them through as well. And all this moving, changing owners, changing oh, everywhere, of course it's going to have an effect. Marseille will be back. These and we, things are cyclical. We haven't even mentioned the fact, I think it was on Friday, that Andre Villas-Boas effectively confirmed that he'll be leaving mm-hmm. in June during, mm-hmm. during a press conference, which, I, you know, again... Probably fair enough as far as he's concerned. He's just being honest and, and transparent, but maybe it's not the right time uh, for the club to be to be having their coach uh, announcing that. Um, we're going to 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 move on to our final section. Um, um, but yeah, we very interesting what what's going on in Marseille. Hopefully, everybody will stay safe there, and uh, mm. and the club can can start to work on 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 the on the many issues. Uh, time for our for our bon voyage. We're going to have a look ahead to the upcoming games because. Um, because we always do, but also because we have a midweek round on Wednesday night and uh, another round of matches at the weekend. So uh, it's time for a Bon Voyage. So uh, Wednesday night, 10 matches again. It's going to be a belter. We've got an early kickoff, uh, for example, Bordeaux against the league leaders Lille at uh, 7 p.m. That will be an interesting one. You can watch it uh, in the UK at uh, 6 p.m. on BT Sport. You can also watch Monaco versus uh, Nice um, at 9 p.m. The Côte d'Azur derby, 8 o'clock in in England, that is. Um, They're probably the two standout fixtures. If I look ahead to the the weekend, there is, well, there's one little game at the Velodrome, Marseille versus Paris Saint-Germain. Le Classique. What an atmosphere and, uh, for that one. What an atmosphere. Can they make it two and two this season? For that one. So, guys, if we take on board... Against Paris. Oh, yes. Marseille have beaten Paris this season. Paris, Paris have also already beaten Marseille. Robbie and Armel, Robbie and Armel, you're going to have to take this one outside, maybe after the pod. Um, two rounds to, to look forward to. You're only allowed to pick one game, though, guys. Each day? Oh, go on then. One, okay. one, one game per round. Armel, um, <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, I think last Marseille on on Wednesday could be an exciting one. Uh, last currently ahead of Marseille in the league and playing good football. Uh, not an easy place for Marseille to to go and try and get a, a win that they desperately need to calm things down, to bring a bit of serenity to the club, and also to see if uh, Arkadiusz Milik can perhaps. Uh, make people a little happier again because we know that Marseille like a, a number nine that makes everyone happy again so there's plenty on the line in Lens on Wednesday night so you'll Lens, find me there. Uh, Lens beat Marseille just uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Velodrome mm. with and they both beat in Paris Simon Bonser's goal um, Robbie Wednesday night what you fancy Wednesday night there are just hundreds of matches ten that, well ten <laughs> but, but and nearly all ten of them I think there's a story there I think Bordeaux could uh, push Lille really hard uh, mm-hmm. Lorient away to Rennes for supremacy in Brittany is a nice one. Nice travelling to Monaco in what is a big derby for them against a Monaco side who are on fire and a Nice side who are who are desperate. And the Greens versus the Gold for any Australian we know that represents a lot. So Saint Etienne versus Nantes, Les Verts against Les Jaunes, Les Jaunes, Les Jaunes. That's an important game at the and bottom. A hugely mm. important game for those two because they are one of those two is going to almost certainly, if not both, get sucked into a relegation dogfight as well what's the story rob for uh, strasbourg brest because you said every game's got a story i said 100 games have stories strasbourg brest would be brest haven't won in like four games have they so is their nice football drying up falling flat yep 
Um, yeah, I was, you out there, didn't I, I, right? I was going to put to you Rouse against Angers, but there's the, the Raymond Copper link because, yeah, Raymond mm. Copper was brilliant for, for Rouse yeah. and played at Angers and their stadium is called the Stade Raymond Copper. Um, so I won't mention that. Oh, it's too late now. Let's look. <laughs> let's look ahead to the weekend, guys. Uh, round 24. Um, yeah, I'm going to start by saying I'm, I'm going to go to Marseille just because I wouldn't miss it. Marseille versus Paris Saint-Germain. Can the uh, OM players cope with the pressure will PSG um, I don't know rack up a, a big victory we've seen them do it in the past um, Armel what do you think where do you want to go rather uh, at the weekend I think I'll go to Nantes uh, not only because I like seeing Lille play but also uh, Raymond Dominic's press conferences are hugely entertaining even when he can't get a win to save his life he's still all smiles and philosophical and stuff so you know even if the game doesn't live up to what I'm hoping and Lil just win 1-0 I'll stay for the press conference Robbie uh, yeah. nothing nothing really standing out for me there lots of lots of good games Montpellier I like they're entertaining against Dijon they're also sides that need to try and bounce back they need something Nice I like Nice I'd like to see them try and climb back up the table as well there are so many sides and so we have this, this season is so difficult to predict. So many ups and downs, so little consistency across the board. We've seen so many teams up in the top five and now just falling away badly. Other teams flying up like mess. I mean, Robbie, it's incredible. What game do you want to go to? Uh, so I'll go to... <laughs> you can't stop Robbie when he's in, when he's in full Monaco. flow on a Monday. Need Monaco. Monaco. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Do you think Monaco are going to be part of the title race I think Monaco are ones to definitely keep an eye on but I've been saying that since the start of the season you know that Nîmes struggling badly as well mm-hmm. especially with Lorient winning now it's all it's all happening in Ligue 1 at the moment and the next uh, week is going to be big no question with these two rounds of games um, don't forget you can win a piece of Depay you can win Memphis Depay's shirt you just need to send in um, some commentary we want to hear you commentate Memphis's best moment or your favourite moment that he's had with, with Leon. Do send uh, an audio file around about 30 seconds uh, in length to, um, to our email, league1podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, quite literally. But uh, from, uh, from me, Matt Spiro, and uh, from my friends here in Robbie's flat, Robbie and Armel, it's time to say goodbye. We will see you again next week. All the very best. Thank ciao, you, ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my word, what a goal. Beautifully done! Sensational!